Welcome, welcome to At The Line. We're finally back again. How's it going, Mac? Ah, it's going it's going good, man. As best as, as good as we can be today. Well, we mi well, I missed you last week. I had Brendan fill in. He did a fine job. But he wasn't as good as you. Oh, I appreciate that. Brendan, you're still great. You're going to say that because he, he said that the Spurs are not going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> you know what? He might be right. <laughs> From the how this rodeo road trip was looking, that's part of the reason. But before we get diving too deep into that, at the line as part of the Pulse Podcast Network. For more podcasts like ours, visit PulsePodcastNetwork.com and also just make sure to check out all the our podcasts there. You got Brendan who has three different podcasts. Uh, we had we recorded a around the pulse, a new uh, roundtable discussion podcast with Brendan. Alex Snorin from In My Bag Pod and Austin from the Royalty Podcast. So that'll be coming out soon. So check that out. You can also go to the Pulse Podcast Network store where you can find merch. You can find our merch because we have some pretty kick ass stuff. So kick ass designs. We also have stickers that we're going to, do, we're going to start doing some giveaways. So keep an eye on our Twitter of at, at the line. On Twitter, we can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. So we are recording after a. Horrible loss. Horrible loss. Spurs had a horrid loss to the Nets. They are on a three-game losing streak coming out of the All-Star break and went finished the rodeo road trip 1-7. 1-7. and, seven. One and seven. Yeah. yeah, there's an ugly taste in my mouth after this road trip. Pretty bad. <laughs> I think it's one of the worst rodeo road trips, at least in the past. It has to be in the past 20 years. has to be. Yeah, yeah. I think it's if not the worst. I don't think they've ever gone negative on a the rodeo road trip, but I'm sure somebody that's smarter than I am will, will I, let us know. I think they did go. They went below 500 last season. Well, last season was a whole mess in itself. Yeah, but but I will say the past three games, not all of them were horrible. Only two thirds of them were horrible. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the um, you know the the loss to the Raptors, which was one twenty to one seventeen, um, you know I thought that was actually a really great game that they played, um, despite the inefficiencies that 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 the Spurs had. Um, I still think they they competed really well, um, coming off of the All Star break, and then beating in Toronto, you know, with Kawhi Leonard. Um, in that house, I think they still played pretty well for the most part. Um, you know, what were some of your thoughts on that? I thought it was a good game from what I saw. Um, Toronto gave Demar a great homecoming. That essentially what I noticed was it was the complete opposite of what Kawhi's homecoming was. Because <laughs> every time Demar caught the ball, they were cheering him. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, and I think this goes back to, or I, I, this is just a, a thing on ESPN or any of the commentators. They they would always go back to, oh, look what San Antonio did to Kawhi. Look at the reception Kawhi got in San Antonio. But it's not even anywhere in the same realm of oh yeah of comparison. You know, Demar did not ask for to to be traded. Demar did mm -hmm. not ask to to be to get sent to L.A. DeMar didn't sit out the entire season and only played nine games because of a phantom, well, I would say a pseudo, a, a kind of an injury. Um, 
he didn't he didn't ask for any of that. Exactly. He was the one that that got thrown into the trade because of Kawhi. Kawhi is the reason why. There's only one person to blame. Or okay, I take that back. There's two people to blame in this in this situation. <laughs> it's Uncle Dennis first of all, and then Kawhi. Kawhi and Uncle Dennis are the reason why Kawhi got that reception. Because if you look at what San Antonio did to Danny Green, mm-hmm. every single everybody in that in that stadium in the AT&T Center when Danny Green was announced was on their feet, roaring and yelling because they appreciated Danny. And then as soon as Kawhi, boom, as soon as Kawhi came in, they announced him immediate booze. And that's that's why I'm saying, you know, this this mainstream narrative that, you know, these people are pushing like, oh, San Antonio didn't do this or, you know, San Antonio gave Kawhi this type of reception. Look at Toronto. It's like, no, they're completely different, yeah. opposite, opposite. They're not even opposite comparisons that you can't even make them. Yeah, and it, it was shown just the di- the different levels where Kawhi was getting booed at every sh- every time he got the ball, while Demar got cheers with it every time he got the ball. It's, it shows the. And I think if Kawhi went out a much better way, or he just honestly, I would still been cheering him if he just signed if he signed away if he left the team as a free agent. I would right. not be. I would not. We would not be as bitter as we are as Spurs fans. I, I but, mean, rightly so. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think the. I think if you had left in a much better fashion, and we've seen it with with prior, um, you know, with prior free agents like Tony, for example, everybody still loved Tony when he came. Nobody booed him, but because yeah. he did it the right way, um, and the situation that Kawhi put us in was just not not good. Exactly. But going back to to the overall game, um, I think we can safely say that Demar is back. <laughs> I say the bench um, is back too. Well, well, it, well, in at that, least in, in that game. <laughs> In that game, but, <laughs> but yeah, so like you were saying, Demar had a gr- pretty damn good performance, twenty three points, and he was showing off some defensive plays too. He was getting into passing lanes, pick pickpocketing a few people. Just he was causing the rock the the Raptors have a few problems, and then add on that, our the bench trio of Marco, Patty, and Davis showed up, had fifty three total points between the three. That was almost. That's almost half the points that the whole team got, just from three different guys. Yeah, I mean the the Spurs played. The Spurs bench showed up in that game, and it looked like a really good ending to the rodeo road trip. So, them showing up, and, and again, it goes back to what we said earlier in the podcast and in a couple of episodes earlier. You know, this team is gonna gonna win and lose by their bench because of their bench and their rotational players like. Bertans, Marco, and Patty, those are the guys that are that are your three point specialists, your sharpshooters. Those are the guys that need to be need to be on point all the time. I mean, at least be shooting forty to fifty percent, if possible. You know, Davis Bertans numbers, but you know, if they're not going to be shooting like that, it's going to be a long, long night. Yeah, and I if another think bench star was Patty, and for some reason I don't know who was who. Who in the coaching staff thought it was a good idea to put Patty on Kawhi? But it worked. <laughs> but uh, that, go ahead. No, I was just saying that that was a complete surprise. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That was but, that was a shock. But what I was noticing because we know Patty as that energy guy. He's always going to be the go-to guy for if you want some team spirit or energy, and he was showing it. He was, and some people might not like Patty for some of his plays because he's not. 
yeah, he's not a scorer. He might not be the best defender, but he does put all his energy out on the court. And he that was shown it because he could clearly see that he was getting in, in Kawhi's face. He was banking. He was just bothering Kawhi, getting in his face. It was awesome to watch. He kept getting, yeah. kept disrupting the timing. Just, and also the solid help defense that the rest of the team was doing. It was a really good defensive performance from the team for a good part of this game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the Spurs definitely showed because of the game or because of the way the game went or went throughout the entire thing where they were they were displaying defense, they were displaying this help defense like you were saying. I mean, they you could tell that the Spurs wanted to win this game with all their ability. Uh, you know, unfortunately, at the end, you know, DeMar with that costly turnover and then um some bullshit calls. We're just going to say that. Right, yeah, some some really questionable calls. It it didn't go it didn't go the way that they you know that they were that they wanted to. But I think this is one of those those games that you have to say you know what this is about the moral victory. Or if you can pull anything out from it, it's it's about the moral victory because this was a, this was a game where the Spurs were were not favored were favored to lose by eight points and they only lost by three. So you know they did. They did what they had to do. They played the game that they had to play. Unfortunately, and we've seen it time and time again, you know, with Kawhi being on the Spurs, that he comes up big on those the end of the game where, you know, one player is taking it up and they completely forget that, hey, this is the two-time defensive player of the year and this dude has monster hands and, you know, he takes it easily. Um, and not to mention he was double teamed on that, on that play. So it's like, I, people were like, "Oh, Demar Choke, Demar Choke." Just like, dude, you got the two, you got one of the best defenders in the entire NBA ever, and then you know, I think it was Kyle Lowry that was on him too. And like Kyle Lowry isn't isn't just a pushover. He's a he's pretty decent at defense. You got two great good defensive players on him. You know, you don't you think that he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna get by that? Like, no, somebody from his from from the team should have come and helped him out. Or, or or Pop should have called called a timeout. Something something should have happened to where they didn't have to get into that situation. You know, unfortunately, we've seen Kawhi do it time and time again. We know it as, as Spurs fans, and it happened. So that happened. But even then, at that point, you know, there's questionable calls that was like, well, <laughs> I guess. I'm um, just going like to say, that, it was that backcourt. Back violation. Yeah, like the backcourt violation. And again, the, the explanation from the officiating side stance is like had momentum where does momentum. this momentum carry in, carrying into into the backcourt like what <laughs> it's like where the hell did this rule come from i did not i've never seen this rule played in any sort of game ever yeah, where the point it seems like they're coming up with these rules on the spot it's it's the same thing it's the same thing that goes back to the bradley bill call where he quote unquote lost control and so he was able to dribble again. Um, it's like if you're gonna make these outlandish um, clarifications or explanations for 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 these things, people are gonna take advantage of, of them completely. You know, if it was me, I'd be like, if I was in the air and I saw that I had everybody was covered up, I would kind of fumble and then kind of try to re regain my my you know my dribbles that way i can i can continue i mean that's that's completely according to the official nba reps that's completely okay 
So, um, yeah, the, just questionable calls. But again, the overall game, it was, it started off, for me at least, it made me optimistic about, you know, ending the rodeo road trip because I thought, you know, hey, they got rest, everybody's, you know, focused and they're getting back on schedule. So hopefully we can see some, you know, taking this and extrapolating this. Hopefully we can see something good come out of this. Well, the Spurs would end that game with the Raptors with a 120-117 loss, like you said earlier. And they would clearly disappoint you about your optimism with the rodeo road trip. <laughs> because the, ne- the next game was on Sunday against the Knicks at the Madison Square Gar- Garden. Some people were saying, easy win. Some people were saying, if we lose to the Knicks, what the hell are we doing? And we're just going to say it was a 130-118 loss. Let's go ahead and move on. Yeah, just to quickly touch on that. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no. <laughs> this game was not was this game was not fun. <laughs> I like if there's I've never been I've always tried to be the type of person that's that looks at it in a in a optimistic way. But losing to the Knicks in this case is just in this fashion. Just it's so demoralizing, um, especially because. We blatantly know, and thanks to the Oscars, we blatantly know the Knicks were tanking <laughs> or are tanking. We can't, the Spurs can't even beat a tanking team. Like, what the hell? They can't beat a tanking team without Derek White? Are you kidding me? You need Derek White in order to beat a tanking team? This is ridiculous. It's just horrible. I think this is probably the most demoralizing loss um, out of the entire season. Season, especially because of the, the, the current situation that the Spurs, which is not a very good situation. Not at all. And this game, I think this was a trend from for the two New York games that we had, or the Spurs had. They couldn't find, they couldn't land a bucket to save their lives. Three In this game, three-pointers was 25%, six for 24. Couldn't find the bucket at all. Shot Jesus. 44% isn't too bad, but Seriously, you're shooting 44. You can do much better, especially whenever the Knicks score have a 23 point lead on you as their biggest lead of the of the night. And I think what we saw that happen early, the Spurs got in a hole early. They were able to kind of bring get it back. Like the first quarter, they were still in it, but in the second quarter, they let a run happen from the Knicks, and they just could not get themselves out of it. And there are times where it looks like they could get back. Their offense is clicking, and then their defense isn't there. Where the hell? There. Where the hell is the defense? Where was the hell? Where did the defense get left in Toronto or what? <laughs> they probably did. They probably got frozen in the tundra over there in Canada. I don't know, man. That Knicks loss was pretty bad, but I'm not sure what's worse. The 130 to 118 loss to the Knicks or the 101 to 85 loss at the Nets. Yeah, I'll I'll still say the Knicks loss just because it's the Knicks. The Nets are a good team. So. Thomas, whenever your number six offense in the league is held to 85 points, what is going on? Yeah. Yep. And, I and they had this, Derek White. <laughs> and they had Derek White. I know this game was. If we thought the Knicks game was bad with shooting. This game was even worse. This game was horrid. 
16% on three-pointers, 4 for 24, and they only shot 36% while taking almost 100 shots. You know, I um, I always, I, the Spurs meet social media, they, they post like, you know, we're warming up in, you know, Toronto, we're warming up here and we're practicing here. And you see them taking shots, you see them practicing these shots, but you always see them practicing their free throws. <laughs> oh yeah, their free throws are perfect. They were I both, never see they shot, I never, Sorry, go ahead. They shot ninety percent on free throws on both games. <laughs> like I never see them shooting their damn three pointers. I never see them shooting damn mid range. Like what the hell? And this is and, and that's the thing. It's like Patty, Bryn, Bertans, Marco, you guys are here for your three point shooting. What else are you doing if you can't knock down your threes? There there's no reason for you to be on the court if you can't knock down your threes. It it was horrible. And all the Zanets game also showed another blaring problem that I've been talking about for a good while, and that's the rebounding situation. The Spurs got out rebounded from the Nets, 45 rebounds, the Nets 45 to the Spurs 37 defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. It was bad. It's whenever you you need the thing I was trying to shoot for was that we need the Spurs needed someone that could rebound for them. That because this team does not like to go out for rebounds. This team likes to run in transition, and it really hurts them because they're yeah. not, especially whenever they're not landing buckets. The though those buckets are not being made, you can easily rebound them. And but you're letting it go to the other team, and it's just hurting them. I know you're trying to prevent prevent transition because the Nets are a young team, and you are not the best on defense. But you still need you still need to be fighting for rebounds, and that's why I like Jakob. Jakob does fight for those rebounds, and Lamarcus also fights for him too. But that's about it. You have no one else fighting for rebounds. Yeah, and and that's the problem is you don't you don't have that interior presence in there. And all you know, I'm not trying to shit on shit on LA because you know he does he does what he can um, with what he can. But yeah, you're right. They're missing that 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 interior presence. You know, even outside of of a forward, they're just missing that interior presence. That's that's always crashing the boards. Like last year, at least we had Dejounte Murray like trying to crash those boards and grab those rebounds as best as possible, whether it was on the offensive side or or defensive side. So, and this year we really really missed that, you know, from him. Um, so those second chance opportunities that we could potentially get from those offensive rebounds is just not there. I will say the one advantage, everyone played on the lineup, but pal last night, pal against the nets, no pal. I'm so happy. Yeah, at this point, one... at this point, at this point doesn't even matter to play him. I think in, in my opinion, yeah, um, it's, obviously it's he's still going to get some, obviously he's still going to get some run at certain points. Um, because I think we saw it. What in, I think it was in, in the next game, or was it in the 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 no, not the Raptors? He, game. he, he played he played five minutes in the next game, but there you one go. thing the one thing I did have my notes though was the Spurs, especially in December and in January, whenever they were hot, they were running that not that nine man lineup of Demar, L.A., Bryn, Rudy, Derek, Marco, Patty, Davis, and Jakob. It was as a nine man lineup, and it worked really well for them. And we saw it in Toronto where that was the nine man lineup. Right. No 
No one else played but those nine, and the Spurs had a really good game. And and I mean that goes back to consistency, and and you get your you get your consistency, and you get that um, the consistent play. You know, shout out to I mean where I saw this was shout out to Eric Salinas, Twitter. You know, he's the one that that brought that to my attention of having that nine man rotation. Um, and you're right, they absolutely played that in Toronto, and it looked great. It worked. You know, and if at this point in time, Popovich needs to start solidifying that nine-man rotation. And it needs to be those nine guys that we saw in Toronto. It needs to be those nine guys that we saw back in January or in December. Um, because nobody else contributes on this team um, like those nine players do. So at this point, going forward, it just needs to be those nine guys rotating in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, and, and, you know, roll with those punches because wins are everything at this point. You cannot drop any games anymore. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about what's coming up for the Spurs in a playoff chance coming right here back at, at the line. Hey guys, have you ever listened to At the Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at The Line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use, and guess what? I know some of our hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free, and there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put, how do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you, and they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast. Welcome back to At The Line. We just recapped the three horde games that went that happened for the Spurs. And we have three... We have three more games to look forward to, as well as we need to talk about the playoff chances and the seeding that the Spurs are going to have to go to if they want to make their 22nd straight playoff appearance. But first, we got some up the first games that we have upcoming. The first game we have is the home returner finally coming back to the AT&T Center. Is Wednesday, we the Spurs play the Pistons. The Pistons are also fighting for a playoff spot, but they are also barely hugging a 500. Which this could be a good this could be a good game for the Spurs to take advantage to get them back in their rhythm. Yeah, um, and they've found some the Spurs have found some success against the the Pistons. So, and you know the, while the Pistons do have like Blake Griffin um, and some other players, they don't have a lot of firepower as far as um, offensive scoring, but. We all know how the Spurs play against those type of teams. For some reason, some Joe Schmo, you know, 
probably two-way player is going to go off on the Spurs that night, so we just got to be careful. Um, obviously, you got to, I think, either, you know, L.A. or or Rudy can, you know, put a body on on, on Blake, but um, you got to kind of minimize his, his score and output, um, or at least be able to match it, so that way the rest of the players can step up and, and win the game for the Spurs. Yeah, this Pistons, probably their biggest known player is Blake Griffin. And the only concern that I'm, while I'm looking at his stats is his rebounding. His rebounding, like I said about the Spurs, and their lack of rebounding, this Pistons team has big guys. They got Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. They could easily out-rebound this team if they really wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. But luckily, yeah, they it looks like they have no three-point shooting. <laughs> They're shooting 34% on the year in three-point range. Spurs yeah, have, but against, <laughs> against the Spurs, we all know how that goes. <laughs> True, but at least the, the Spurs' highlight is that they shoot eight three at the field at the free throw line. Which yeah, helps out. Which does that's if you get the calls. But Blake Griffin is going to be a factor for sure, and the Pistons—they're not going to be—they're not going to take, go down easy. They are fighting for their own playoff spot in the East, and it's. Now it's not like it's the West where the bottom tier, the bottom eight, nine, ten seeds are still good, really good teams. You still gotta watch out for the Pistons, no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Pistons always always create a lot of noise. In in you're right. Um, you know, Andre Drummond is is a hell of a force inside. Um, we've seen LA do really well against against big guys. Um, you know, big centers. So he needs, he's another player that needs to kind of get back on, on his game because uh, over these past few games, he has not looked, um, not looked very good, but I know he was dealing with some, apparently he was dealing with, uh, with a sickness. So <clears throat> as soon as he gets back to being a hundred percent healthy, you know, hopefully he can, he can get back to kicking ass like he was. Yeah. And luckily the Spurs do already have a win over Detroit earlier back in, early January, so Spurs could easily find their rhythm back with this game. I'm predicting a win in, win over the Pistons. Hopefully. <laughs> at this point, also, at this point I can. <laughs> especially looking at the Spurs, if you look at their if you look at their home record, it's amazing. It's one of the best home records there is in the league. While they're right. Yeah, their home record is twenty two and seven. It's one of the best in it's one of the best in the league. It's one of the top teams. While their road record is eleven and twenty-two. <laughs> so, oh, that's this, nice. So this team really can use some love from the from San Antonio, and they will play well with them at with them at home, but still it's rough. The next game is gonna be a bigger challenge. It's Saturday, the Thunder make their return to San Antonio after they came after the back-to-back games they had with the Spurs, I want to say about a month ago. Yeah, I think so. Well, and that included that double OT where the Spurs, where Lamarcus scored fifty-six, and then the Thunder the next game just kicked ass against the, against San Antonio. The person that we're, the Spurs will have to watch out for is Paul George. He's having an amazing season, MVP caliber season. He's averaging almost 29 points per game. Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double again with 22 points per game and 11 assists and rebounds. They're also both averaging over two steals a game. 
this is one of the top teams to force turnovers. Yeah, right now the I mean the OK right now OKC is playing lights out, and you know for all the for all the battles that have gone between the Spurs and OKC and all the bad blood that's that's happened between them two, they are really one of those teams that me personally I'm pulling for. Um, I really really hope that if obviously if the Spurs don't. Um, even make it anywhere close to it. I really hope OKC can dethrone, you know, Golden State um, because they, they just have a solid team all around and they're playing, you know, with a lot of charisma and a lot of tenacity. And I love Steven Adams. So, and I think at this point, Russell Westbrook is, he doesn't care about his triple doubles like he did in the past. He cares more about winning, even though that, you know, he still gets those triple doubles. It looks like he's really trying to, trying to, play for the team so um when they play against the spurs you know it's going to be a hell of a fight um and we always it's always a fight against them and always a coin toss against them so hopefully the spurs can pull it out and lamarcus and demar have another big game for for that when they come when they come on uh in march yeah the the three things i mentioned that the spurs will need to worry about is that defensive rating which is number four in the league then you, they have the third fastest pace in the league. And then also add on that they have the highest turnover rating, too. Right. I mean, so it's because you play, you play at, that, at that pace and you're bound, to, you're bound to make some mistakes. And Russell Westbrook, is, he's a maverick out there. He just, he's running that floor so quick. Um, you know, and his handle could be better, but he's just a little careless at times sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, actually, they're fairly decent about not giving up too many turnovers. They force more turnovers than they give up, which can help them out. They give they force about fifteen turnovers per game. I mean, they're such a long team per hundred so, possessions. It's, yeah, they're such a they're such a long team. It's it's really good to see. Um, they built a really really good team around Paul George and around their big three. They have a lot of good good role players that are that are playing to the system. So. And then picking up Dennis Schroeder is, was such a great, you know, they lost all the depot, but they ended up replacing him with Dennis Schroeder. I mean, that's, I wouldn't say Dennis Schroeder is anywhere near as good as depot, but at least he's serviceable to where you still have a really good, um, a really good backup point guard. And then I, I think the biggest thing for this Thunder team was getting rid of Carmelo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because Carmelo is, we saw what happened with, them last year where they went a first round exit against the Jazz and then we saw them to get rid of Carmelo and then Carmelo went to ruin another team called the Rockets for 10 <laughs> games and he is currently a free agent and unsigned and yep. he has about four or five days to get signed on a team if he wants to play in the playoffs yeah I mean like I said OKC is just a really good team all around and uh, I hope they do I hope they have a good season, um, but I hope, obviously, I hope the Spurs uh, understand that they need to start winning these games because uh, these next three games are so crucial. The next one's against the Nuggets, right? Uh, yep. The, on Monday, Monday the on March fourth, they play the second in the West Denver Nuggets. This has been a 
highly underrated team, in my opinion. This is... And honestly, I haven't seen too much of them either, so I can't put... I haven't put them highly on my rankings either. But they have the third best offense in the league, which I'm betting is going to cause some trouble for them, for the Spurs, and all costs. The fortunate thing, though, is their pace is 28th in the league, so they are a slower team, and the Spurs is the Spurs are a slower team as well. So that could actually help the that could actually help them in the long run. But you uh, watch out for the number one rebounding team in the league, though. Well, I think the I think you're 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 correct on the sense that they're they're a bit underrated. But I think what the Denver Nuggets do really really well is they play within their system. Uh, they're they're extremely disciplined, and their coach has them extremely disciplined to play within their system, and that's why they're that's why they're they're playing so well at this po- at the moment. You don't have a lot of all stars on that team. I mean, Jokic is really the only all star. Jamal Murray's playing like an all star, but other than that, um, or he's yeah, I mean, he was playing like an all star, but other than that, you don't you don't have big names on that team, so they're playing within within the system, um, and I think that's helping them. And like you said, the, the pace that they have is is conducive to to their game, you know, because they run these these two big setups quite often, um, you know, like Miles Plumlee and then Jokic. The good thing is Jokic can stretch the floor and he can shoot that three ball. So, um, but at the same time, they're just they're they're a slow team. So, if there's any team that's good at or that's gonna benefit from that, it's gonna be the Spurs because the Spurs like to take their time. Um, on these plays and you know they walk it up and they set themselves defensively and offensively so it could play within you know within the spurs um within the spurs benefit but again y- you got some players on that on that jet and that sorry nuggets team that is just playing really really good um within their system so again um you're absolutely right they're underrated for for all intents and purposes but um i think they're for being where they're at, they're definitely beatable. Um, it's just a matter of, of other teams playing their game and not necessarily the Nuggets game. Yeah. It's also another thing that's surprising to me is this is a very young team. Out of all the players, there's only one, two, three guys that have six or year, more years of experience on this team. This is not a veteran team in any way. It's a team full of two-year, three-year Nikola, Nikola Jokic is only three years in the league, too. It's a very surprising look of just how young this team is. Yeah, like I said, they, they play within their system. I mean, the, the coach definitely understands the personnel that he has, and um, he's playing towards it. And that's that's what you need. You don't need, you know, all-stars. You don't, need to build a, you don't need to build a super team. You just need the right pieces. You need the right personnel to make, to make it work if you... You can build around a superstar, absolutely. Like Jokic, you know, Jokic is, is becoming that all-star. You can build around him, but as long as every piece complements one another, you can make a, a winning team. For sure. So what are you guessing the record's going to be for these next three games? Optimistically, I would like to say they're going to go 2-1. Two and, two and one, But realistically, I would say they're, they're probably going to be 1-2. and two. I'd say 1-2 and two if they... If they show up to Denver and they show up in, against Denver and Oklahoma again, like they did against the Raptors, then I'm going to be I'm going to be high on them because if they play that well, that means 
If they play like their December selves, this team's okay. This team is perfectly fine. But if right. they play like Rodeo Road Trip, they're not going to do any well. I'm going to predict the, two and one. Yeah, I think the, the most winnable game, the most favorable game is against the Pistons, obviously. Um, but if we see December Spurs, um, or even you know post-All-Star Toronto Spurs. Or even January should, Spurs. January Spurs are not that bad either. Right, even January Spurs. They should go two and one, absolutely. I would say probably the OKC one is probably the most guaranteed loss, but even then, I mean, the way the Spurs team is so, ha- um, you know, Jacqueline Hyde, it's 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 crazy. You can't you can't tell where they're going to be. All right, and now let's kind of look at, let's look forward to what the Spurs who are they're going up against for this this seed because they fall into the eight seed after that their poor performance against the Rodeo Road Trip, and then also add on the Clippers have taking some good wins to where they stole the seventh seed. So the Spurs are in that danger zone, I would like to say. That this team, any of these teams could either make or break the playoffs. And teams that are in their way are the Clippers, the Kings, the Lakers, kind of. And and then I would I'd maybe add in the Jazz, too, but they are in front of them at the sixth six seed. But which team are you the most concerned about and which team are you the least concerned about? Um, right now, I would say the most concerned I, I am about is is the Jazz. Absolutely, um, the Jazz are are a really good team, and I'm surprised. You know, they've taken this long to get themselves situated um, because they're. I mean, last year they're they're one of the best teams. Donovan Mitchell had a breakout year, or you know, he was displaying he should have gone number one or you know high draft. Um, but he was, she was showing superstar potential. And then this year he kind of faded off a little bit. There was some obscurity with him, but recently the jazz team has been playing lights out. They've been, they've been focused, locked in, and they've just been, you know, running over teams. So, um, and then, uh, so aside from the jazz, I still don't believe a hundred percent in the Clippers. Um, because I just, I mean, they are another team that's kind of, they're on and off all the time. So I'm not too big on the Clippers. But according to, uh, I think it was ESPN that tweeted this, but according to ESPN, they have probably the best chance at 84% um, percent chance of making the, the playoffs. And the Spurs come in second for that at 75, 74, 75%. And then the Kings... Um, at a lower 20%, and then the Lakers at a 2%. So, um, you know, I honestly, the Spurs are probably going to squeak in, um, squeak into that, into that eighth spot or the seventh spot. And, and it's going to, unless, unless they start winning for sure, um, you know, it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs. Yeah. But- I'm not so much worried about the Jazz since they already had the sixth seed. They also have one of the easiest schedules in the league. They shouldn't be a factor going against the Spurs in a way. But right. the teams that you would, I would definitely look look out for in stealing, possibly stealing your eighth spot is the Kings. Yep, they made they made trade trade deadline moves. They got Rodney King from from the Cleveland, and they picked up Ennis Cantor in the in the buyout market. This team is a really well-rounded team. 
Oh wait, no, I think wait, Portland. What am I? T- I say yeah, it. Is, he just cancers on, on the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Ronnie Hood went to Portland. Yeah, Ronnie. I can't wait to eat switch around. Rewind. <laughs> Rewind. All right, let's let's bring it back. The Kings still made trade dead, trade deadline moves. They got rid of Zach Randolph and Justin Jackson in return for Harrison Barnes, a piece they really needed. And Harrison Barnes is fitting that position of that the small four position they really needed. And so now they got a they just have a really young, well built team. This team is fast paced as hell. And they've shown flashes. Yeah, they've had some hiccups. There was a game where I don't I talked about with this Brendan and Austin of Realty Podcast. It seems like Dave Yeager just has something out for Buddy Heald. Cause he's Buddy because Buddy Heald is an amazing three point shooter. But he but Dave Yeager keeps yelling at him and saying, Don't shoot a shot or keeps getting pissed off at him. I don't know what the hell Buddy Yield did to Dave, but Buddy's being affected and he could be such a great player on that team. And Yeah, I, I saw that I saw that uh that whole um exchange and it was just it was really weird. Um about you know, I don't understand what he was getting at as far as like why he was yelling at him. I do understand that, like on the first on the first that first play where he pulled up from almost half court, and he was like, "You need to pass the ball." Like at at that point, it's like, dude, at that point, you don't yell at him when there's still like 15 seconds in the game and you still need to make a play. Like that's not a that's not a point where where you get mad at your player for that. Um, that's a, that's a time it's like, hey, that was. Good job, <laughs> thank you for making that because that was that was pretty ballsy. Um, and then you know when he did miss or when he held the ball to end the game, and they lost against the Warriors. At that point, that's when you're like, that's that teaching moment where you're like, look, hey, this is why you need to, you know, you had Bogdan behind you. This is where you need to you need to understand like you get packed out. Oh, he, I honestly thought think and Brendan Brendan also said it. We thought he should have taken that shot because he is a lockdown three point shooter, and he had a really open shot. But I think Dave Dave Yeager intimidated him, and so he had to go inside, and he just had a failed layup. And also, yeah. is it just me? But whenever I watch the Warriors games, there's a team doing so well against them, and they just choke in the fourth quarter. It's always when I watch it too, which sucks. It's uh, you know, what's the basketball gods <laughs> they Same love the warriors for some reason apparently but my team is to worry about is the young kings and they could easily make a push going into going into the playoffs all right who's your team you're not worried about though uh you know what at this point uh, i mean i'm all about the spurs making the playoffs so i don't really care who goes in or who doesn't but then if there's any teams that i'm not worried about it's going to be your son's um, and your Lakers. <laughs> I was, even I was though, say. even though I think I think LeBron is gonna at a certain point, LeBron's got to understand that, or it's got to click. Like, yeah, I know he's all about that quote unquote playoff mode is activated or whatever, but it doesn't seem like it has it has flipped that switch yet. So, but oh, he's the, still he's still the best player, or at least yeah, I don't think he's the best player this year, but. He's still up there when he's actually giving the shit, and it just doesn't seem like he has. So yeah, as soon as he can get that in, 
and they can lock it in, I mean, they're going to, if they can go on a run, I mean, because the, the games are only, they're only separated, what, by four games each? So not even that much. So if they can understand and be like, okay, you know what, lock, let's lock it in, let's get it done, boom, it's going to happen. Luckily, the Spurs have a three-game advantage on them, so that's always a good thing. But yet, LeBron, if you've seen any game lately of LeBron, and you've probably seen on social media, LeBron's body language is horrible. Just for even if it's a if it this was any NBA player, this is horrible body language where you're not moving on a defense. You're like you're watching your teammate shoot a shot and just put your arms in the air and walk down the court on defense. It's horrible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's yeah, it, and people called it. You know, people said the reason why he was going to LA was for was for his Hollywood career, and it definitely seems like that's where his focus is. Unfortunately, it's. I have no concerns about the Lakers. They are not going to be making the playoffs, and I'm going to. I would bet money on that too. So I'm. I'm not worried about them at all. <laughs> All right, so when we come back to At The Line, we're going to take your Twitter questions, and we'll just kind of do some random chit-chat to end out the show. We'll be right back here at The Line. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community, a community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content. Just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with the fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash community and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash community and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community. And welcome back to At The Line. We're going to wrap up the show with your Twitter questions. And since Mac was out last week, we're going to... I'm going to... I put a few other ones from last week's show. So you will, some people are going to get some double shoutouts this week. But, so we got five different questions from five different people. Let's go ahead and get started. First one comes from Ballify NBA. If there's one thing you can change about All Star Weekend, what would it be? Everything. Everything. <laughs> I think. I mean, to me, I think just like the Pro Bowl, I think All Star Weekend is the dunk contest has lost its its glitz and glamour. Um, you know what? I actually do like uh, the the skills challenge. I think that's probably the best thing. Um, in my opinion, just because it's it's so varied, um, but like I said, the dunk contest is no longer the dunk contest. It's just you have these you have these random people on Twitter and you know social media posting these insane dunks um, <clears throat> that just blow your mind. So you see it all the time, and I think it's become oversaturated. Um, so unless they open it up to the public. Where, where like these, like I said, just anybody, random people can come in and, and participate. I think that would be really great. Um, and what then, sorry, go ahead. I with the dunk contest, the one thing that they need is the big name players. They, 
they haven't had a really big name player that I've thought of in a long time. We've had people like Zach Levine, who's now who his name is now big because of the dunk contest. Aaron Gordon, yeah. where that's honestly that Toronto All Star game was amazing with the dunk contest there. That was the best dunk contest of all time to me. But whenever you have players like Diallo, which I didn't know Diallo until this dunk contest, John Collins, who was kind of a low, not too big name either. But whenever you have guys like Oladipo, Donovan Mitchell, those are players that you want in the dunk contest. You guys want with name recognition. And I saw something that Giannis might look to do the dunk contest if Donovan Mitchell's in it next year. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, too, actually, because you're right there. I mean, everybody's been wanting LeBron James to do it or, you know, somebody else, but and they've never done it. And there's a reason why, because it's it's easy to get injured, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I, I I just think that, like I said, the dunk contest is definitely lost. It's 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 glitz and glamour. Um, so I think that needs to be scrubbed and done something different. Then. What needs to happen is, I think the skills challenge is great. That might need to be expanded a little bit more into including more players. Um, the thing I we, uh, the one thing I said about the skills challenge was not change up the course every round. Right. Yes. Exactly. That's a great point. Yeah. Have it different so that way they, it's like I said again varied and it's it's a new challenge for them. Absolutely great point. And then obviously the three point the three point shootout. I'm not even going to get into that because we all know what. a piece of shit that is all right um, well it's gonna lead me to this question then can we really count the three-point contest if Breton <laughs> didn't participate that's from matt from the fofofos 76ers podcast i answered yeah. this as no we couldn't whenever we did it's, the podcast last it's week. a handicap joe harris has an asterisk by his name at this point um hey, but i do joe harris I will applaud, it, man. no 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 i will applaud joe i will applaud the brooklyn net social media team or not social media team but their um the graphics team um, during the game against the Spurs where they had like, and this was a, a slight little jab, but it was so great and petty that they had like Joe Harris now is the leading three point shooter. Oh, you mother effers. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but that was a great little like, I didn't see that. That was, Damn. It, it was beautiful. And like I said, I, I mean, you got to appreciate the petty, but um, as Spurs so, fans, we will always appreciate pettiness. Exactly. Even if it's against us, we will appreciate that. And so I, you know, I, I will applaud the, the Brooklyn Nets uh, graphic team on that. But um, so, no, you cannot count the three points. So, like I said, Joe, Joe Harris has an asterisk by his um, by his championship for that. And then the are All-Star you, game. Sorry, go ahead. Are you just glad that Curry didn't win it? Uh, you know what? I, I don't even care. I am. At this point, I don't even care. I, I could care less. <laughs> I could care less. I don't even give a shit. <laughs> um, and then obviously the, the all-star game is just, it's, it's boring. You know, you have it, especially watching the all-star game, like on TV where you have these commentators talking about random bullshit that just is so mundane and doesn't pertain to us at all. It's just, it's absolutely horrific. And I think they need to do something. What? Okay. Let me, and then let me, let me put a little disclaimer to us. I love the fact that everything or they 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 donate so much money i think that is a beautiful beautiful thing and it just makes the nba such a great league way better than the nfl but i do because, like i do like that they the winning team gets 
has their gets a bigger donation to their team and so it's an incentive in a way exactly exactly and and but but that's what i'm saying you know they need to change the format or change it up because it's absolutely boring it's so so boring but like i said albeit i love the fact that that they that it's all going to donation it's amazing um so that's my take it's a lot sorry guys thank you bolify for the question next question all right, uh, th- I swear I did not put this one in because I know that you hate me talk- talking about the Lakers because I like the trash on the Lakers because it's I've I've grown up as a Laker hater just as a Spurs fan, <laughs> but so at Everything's Cavs or James from the Everything's Caps podcast asked, where did your hate for the Lakers start? A specific player, a specific moment, and I'm just gonna say I grew up one as a Spurs as a Spurs fan. Um. I think I think it all comes back to, um, you know, point four seconds. That's that's Ooh. all I need to say. That's all I need to say about that. At that point, yeah, it was I'm just not... f the Lakers. At that point, I don't need to say anymore. That's and where was... you know what. I, and I don't even like at this point because the Lakers have been trash for so long. I'm kind of indifferent to it because at a point there, it was always about the Spurs and the Lakers going against each other head to head, and it was a battle. But I think for the past ten, five, ten years, um, I would say five years, five to eight years, um, the Lakers have just been trash. Even with Kobe, they've just been kind of trash. So, um, yeah. Um, but point four seconds, I always point point four seconds to you. I because I started following the NBA really closely about about twenty fourteen, along with that when the Spurs won the championship. I started following the league very closely. Because I didn't really follow it too closely before then, and but I kind of started interacting with all the different fan groups, and I was great to be introduced to Spurs Twitter, which is can be a very humble Twitter, very family environment where we also <laughs> fight and bicker at each other too. We all we we argue, but we also still love on each other too. Uh, it's a it's the epitome of what a family is. Yeah, but uh, I, but I think the biggest thing that it gave me a weird, a bad taste in my mouth. Were the fans that were just over their heads, and the Laker fans are notorious for it. They're yeah. just, they're kind of like Cowboy fans to me, where they're going to say that their team is the greatest if they win a single game or get LeBron or get Kobe <laughs> scoring something, some certain points. But then the next, if they lose one, they're saying this team is shit. The f this team. <laughs> it's like it's like. You guys can't you can't get out of your own way, and kind of interacting with that fan with that group is like I don't want to deal with them. Lakers suck, <laughs> fans suck, and then also led on to my hate for the Warriors. <laughs> but as yeah, it, Warriors, but, Warriors fans are getting up there. But again, Warriors fans were Lakers fans not too long ago. We yeah, don't know how that goes exactly. But uh, yeah, my hate for the Lakers started seeing all those. Growing up with all the close playoff games, and then with the fan interaction of you guys need to shut the hell up. <laughs> all right, all right next, next question. All right, it's hot Pelicans take. What does the Spurs f- future look like to you post Popovich? Now we had this one last week, and I'm kind of curious of what your answer is for this one. Um, so. We've all seen the movie The Day After Tomorrow, right? And how everything is is snow covered and polar vortex and 
absolutely just like just dystopian future <laughs> i was not i was not expecting this <laughs> that's exactly what this person no i'm just kidding I think, <laughs> <laughs> um you know i i think a lot of us um and i don't know if this is gonna be a hot take but i think at a certain point a lot of us spurs fans know that it's coming pretty soon and it could be within this year and the, and the so, analogy I made was it's like Tim Duncan's retirement was right. It, it's just, it's going to be, it, I don't think it's going to be as detrimental as Tim Duncan, or at least uh, what I mean, detrimental, I mean like as far as heartstrings, um, as Tim Duncan, but I can't, I think Popovich has done a, a much better, a much better job at replacing himself than what we could have possibly done with Timmy or then and it wasn't Timmy's job to replace himself but but you don't you don't have those once in generational talents all the time we had Kawhi but obviously that didn't go the way it was supposed to um you know but we haven't been able to fill that Timmy spot in you know in the past few years so Jakob man it's gonna be Jakob I just know it (laughs) but you know with Popovich I think he's done such a great job of grooming his his assistants or at least grooming somebody to replace his his role or at least be able to to put in a coach and then they would they would possibly um they would possibly be able to kind of pick up the pieces um and i think that's why popovich and and rc rc are so big upon corporate knowledge because they kind of want to make it a a well-oiled machine where if one piece goes down you can replace somebody and and while there's there might be a little bit slow in the uptake you know it's still going to move continuously so um i think that's what's going to happen i think popovich has done a really good job of of training either idoka becky or messina or even somebody else who knows but they've done a good job of putting the structures in place for the next coach to be successful and so so, out of those assistants who would you who would you pick and who would you like to see take the head coaching job? Honestly, um, I don't think Becky's ready for it, even though I would love to see her see her be the head coach. I don't think she's ready for it. I think the probably the most person that's probably most ready for it is going to be Messina. Um, and, and we saw it, uh, you know, last year in the playoffs when or before the playoffs when Pop went out because of his wife. We saw where Messina was the one to take the, you know, take the reins. And he did a pretty serviceable job. There was a couple of plays that didn't make sense. And I can't recall them, but I do recall the situation where it was like, why did he put that lineup? Um, but I think he's probably the most groomed out of all of them just because he has a lot of experience. He has more experience than, than either Odoka and, and Hammond because he, he comes from the EuroLeague and he's done excellent in the EuroLeague. So I think Messina might be the one to take the reins. But another dark horse that I heard was a college coach. I forgot his name. Uh, can't remember what his name is, but there's a college coach out there that that people have, have said would, would probably be Pop's heir apparent. But um, honestly, you know, coming from a Spurs fan, being longtime Spurs fans, it's going to be just like Timmy when Timmy left, you know it's going to be heartbreaking. People are going to cry literally. Um, and it's going to be, we're going into the deep unknown 
because we've been with that, or this would be the first time we're without Pop in 20 plus years. But I think, like I said, Pop has done such a great job of, of grooming, you know, the talent around him that I think the Spurs will be okay. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's going to be an adjustment period, but um, I think they're still going to run pretty well. Yeah, I think the number one choice is Messina, just because he is he was known as the pop of Euro League for a good while, right? And he has the he has the experience. He has the he just has the repertoire for it, honestly. But also, yeah. I think my dark horse though is is a uh, Yudoka, because he's been on he's been a coach on this team for since twenty twelve. Yeah, he's, he's been he's been, been there, there for a while. forever, and a try hand man for for a couple of years. Yeah, he's. He's the, he coached the summer league team a few years, and Yudoka just has the experience. And I never, didn't really think about it, but I've always liked Yudoka. He was a good, he he was a decent player, former Spur player, and yep. he's been a coach for a long time now. But you know what? I'm going to make the bold prediction: Chip England, head coach. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think everyone wants. Everyone's going to have amazing shooting form. I don't think Chip wants that. I think. You know what? Like, as a, if I was Chip and I was just getting paid to teach people how to shoot, I'd be like, hell yeah, this is all I need to do. Like, I don't care about coaching the whole team and having the spotlight and people shooting on me. Like when we lose, like there's no reason. It's like the Tony the Tony Romo thing. Like, there's no reason to go to, to coaching when you get paid millions of dollars just to sit in the booth for a couple of hours and then go home. So, yeah, but, I don't think he's yeah. he's ever gonna wanna wanna coach head coach. But yeah, who knows? Chip Chip has been a Chip has been an assistant coach for 13 seasons. Exactly. And he's, I'm sure he's very happy doing what he's doing. I would. Dude, I, dude, I, the way that, just to talk about Chip England a little bit, we saw how Kawhi went from just a defensive player to a two-way great player, and that was because of Chip England. I yep. can't wait to see how DeJounte is going to be. Yeah, and, and DeJounte has, has had to focus on his shot, so... You know what? If if Dejounte doesn't have <laughs> have like a super wet jumper, I'm gonna be so pissed. We're gonna be disappointed. Absolutely. But problem is everything that we saw in the summer last last summer and what we've seen in his rehab videos, he looks like he's shooting pretty damn well. Absolutely. All right, and the final question comes from our own Brandon Nunes, who says the Spurs are not gonna be in the playoffs. Can't believe him, and he had the audacity to ask this question to us. What are you going to do if the if the Spurs miss the playoffs? Uh, probably like, nothing. I'm not going to be too upset. Um, just because, honestly, this team this team has has hasn't showed hasn't showed the the heart to be in it. Hasn't showed that they want to be in the playoffs. Um. While my personal preference is we never, I'm not a tank person. I've never, I've been, I will never oh, no. ever, I will never ever advocate for tanking, um, especially because of of the Spurs' track record for for their picks. Like they, you know, they've done a great job drafting even at the the later end. So uh, you know, um, and I'm always a person that miracles can happen in sports. So you know, anything can happen on any given day, but. Um, you know, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to be too upset. It's just, you know, if it happens, it happens. Especially because how the season's gone, 
you know what, hey, whatever happens, happens, as long as we just continue to fight and play, play as a team and show up. You know, um, um, that's that's my personal preference. Um, but with that being said, Brendan, go eat shit. <laughs> this person <laughs> making the playoffs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's all love, I'll, bro. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to bring him on again. It's all but love, I, dude. I'm not sure. <laughs> he also had a second part to the question. I'm not, I don't really know too much about college basketball. And I think you mentioned some guys before. But yeah, I also asked, who are you, who do you think the Spurs would be targeting in the draft? Um, they're obviously, I think they're obviously going to be targeting uh, forwards, you know, wing defenders. Um, they need to. That's absolutely 100% the the worst or the biggest sore spot in, in their in their lineup. Um, so some names that have been thrown out is going to be like Brandon Clark, um, and then this this other UW kid called Matisse. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Thibul or Tybul, um, and he's another six seven six seven guy that's has an insane wingspan and and can you know play the the D and and shoot the three. So they're obviously going to be going to be focusing in on, on on wing defenders, and that's what they need. And if they happen, and the good thing is they do have the two firsts. So wherever Toronto lands, who cares where they land? But um, which is probably going to be they're probably going to be like 29th, 28th, 29th, somewhere around there, um, 27th, the later 20s, and then wherever the Spurs land, it, it's going to be they're going to they're going to draft really well. They always do. Um, if they if they end up drafting drafting. And doing their their signature draft and stash to the Euroleague, I'm gonna be so pissed. I think I'll be more upset about that if they draft and stash than if they miss the playoffs. Well, lately, the past three three guys that they've drafted, they've not been a stash and draft, which I've been happy about. I'm also hoping that the Spurs bring over Nikolai. I forgot what his last name. Milutinov. Milutinov. Milutinov, and then they also have Adam Hadro that's out there too. Who's I've also heard that he's disgruntled with the Spurs too. I mean, he should be absolutely. There's there's no reason for him to like to be okay with the Spurs at this point because of of what they did to him this past season. But um, I also, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs either bring someone over in their stash and draft. Well, the thing the thing with um, and the thing in the past few years is the only. While they have had a good draft class the past few years, the only the only place that they did mess up was was with Blossom Game. There was no reason for for them to take Blossom Game at the two. They could have taken somebody else if, uh, you know, if they were just going to let him go and and drag him along. I know there's not there hasn't been any story or or clear picture as to like what happened and how all of this went down, but um, you know he's doing pretty well. And I know some people say that he didn't want to show up to practice and stuff like that. So I'm not exactly too sure how correct that is. But um, obviously that wasn't, you know, they could have done better at that point if they, you know, if um, if they needed to. But for the most part, yeah, they're, they're drafting the past few years in the later rounds has been phenomenal. So I don't worry about the Spurs drafting. Yeah, I don't either. Well, if you also, if you guys ever want to send your send in your own questions, whenever we will post a, well, I'll usually post something on Twitter on or on Facebook on Sunday or Monday. So, and then you can reply with your NBA, your Spurs, or just general questions to any of those posts, and we will give you guys a shout out on the podcast. 
But thank you guys for listening to At The Line. You guys can check out check us out at our home base at atthelinepodcast.com or you can check us out on pulsepodcastnetwork.com slash shows slash spurs. We are the official Spurs podcast of the Pulse Podcast Network. You can also find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at, at, at the line, or you can also check out the Pulse Podcast Network at pulsepodnetwork.com. You can also find Mac and I at Ty Yeager Radio and Mac Penn Media. You have anything else you want to say? No, I just um, hope anything the Spurs... else no plug. <laughs> no, I just hope the Spurs don't don't shit themselves the next few few games. And also, if y'all uh, need any formal wear for any special events you have oh, coming yeah. up, definitely check out the Black Tux guys. Blacktux.com. Or if you're the one to start your own podcast, go check out Anchor, and then. We're also starting a new, a new, uh, a new advertising run with, with All Sports League. All Sports League is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, there will be a spot during this show that probably played, but it's really interesting in that you, you draft your, you draft a team of sporting teams. You don't do players. It's just different sport teams. So you can pick the Spurs as one of your teams. Hmm. It's pretty awesome. So. Go check out allsportsleague.com for that one. You can also buy buy some at the line merch. We got hoodies, t-shirts, the guys drunk hoodies, the guys drunk t-shirts. You can all find them at pulsepodcastnetwork.com slash shop. And guess what? You guys can get 25% off when you use the code FANREWARD. That is FANREWARD for 25% off your purchase at Pulse Podcast Network store. Again, at the line is part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Visit pulsepodcastnetwork.com for more podcasts like ours. Until next time, guys, we'll see you here at the line. <laughs>